Welcome to the SDR Disco Call podcast, a podcast designed for brand new sales development reps in the world of software as a service. Every Tuesday, we're going to be bringing you a new guest who's still in the role to share how or why they've gone into sales development, what have they learned in their SDR career and journey to date, and what three pieces of information would they like to share back to new and existing reps to help them become happy sellers. Every show is transcribed, recorded with links from the guests, which are available at happyselling.io forward slash podcast. I'm going to be your host, Neil Buyan, and I look forward to taking you into the world of sales development through the SDR Disco Call podcast. So with that in mind, let's begin. Hello, all you happy podders, and welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Call podcast slash vidcast as well. And today we're joined by a gentleman that has brought me a lot of sunshine and happiness over the past year through lockdown up until now in 2021 in April into a new quarter. It's the one and only Tom Boston from Salesloft. Mr. Boston, how are you doing today, sir? Doing very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing super and even super for for seeing you today and having you on the show. So thank you so much for joining, mate. Absolutely. Uh, Good to be here. (laughs) Love it. So, Mr. Boston, for the listeners that can see you and can hear you as well, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, who are you? What do you do? And where do you work? And what do they do? Yes, thank you. So, my name is Tom Boston. I'm an SDR at Salesloft. And for those who have seen me on LinkedIn, I I do these kind of uh, weekly LinkedIn videos. And I've been at Salesloft as an SDR for coming up two years now. And uh, I I call myself an SDR veteran because I've done a few SDR roles uh, now. Love it. And you are indeed, sir. You're somebody who is very uh, local onto LinkedIn. We see quite a lot of your videos uh, and if anything, that's that's what caught my attention. So I think it was around this time last year. I see a guy with a strong beard. He comes out with these videos which had the captions in. I was like, okay, I want to press play and actually listen to what he's talking about. And I was like, hey, up, who's this lad? And I thought, right, we'll connect. Uh, and here we are today. And as you mentioned, you are a veteran. We're going to be talking about your journey, like kind of where you've been uh, and how you've got to Salesloft. But Tom, a bit about yourself. Like, So where are you based in the world and what do you do outside of Salesloft and sales? Because I'm quite interested to know because you're quite a, an animated person with a lot of talent. Well, that's very kind of you, of you to say. I find myself uh, at the moment in Gateshead. For those who don't know where Gateshead is, just next to Newcastle in the northeast of England. Uh, if you've got a keen ear, you'll hear that I don't have a Geordie accent. I've got a broad Yorkshire accent because I was brought up in Leeds, lived there for a long time, and then moved to the northeast about seven years ago and uh, I've really enjoyed kind of life up here, uh, a canny life, as they would say here in uh, in, in, jo- in Geordieland. Uh, kind of yo-yoed up and down the, the country uh, from Newcastle to London with various roles and then retreated back up north when the pandemic hit to mm-hmm. be closer to the kind of family and uh, and where we call home, really. It's the, uh, the uh, When I'm not being an SDR or making... LinkedIn videos, you'll probably find me looking after my two-year-old son, me and my wife, um, are really loving kind of just spending time with him over 
this kind of lockdown pandemic that we're in at the moment. And yeah, we um, we like to go to the beach. We like to uh, see him see him run around. I, I uh, I'm not the most adventurous person. You described me as animated. Um, <laughs> I don't have a lot of hobbies i can't talk to you about sport because i don't i don't know anything about sport one of my <laughs> one of my favorite things to do is have a cup of tea and, and, a, and a sit down um, my wife will often describe as me being an 80 year old man um <laughs> i think i might i might be uh at heart you know i i'm wearing i'm wearing slippers um, right, right now, there we go. Yeah, you know these so are it. the these are the perks, right, of uh, of, uh, of remote, remote life. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely love it, Tom. Well, if anything, like I said, your your videos have brought like uh, a, a ray of sunshine into my weeks when I've caught across them. They've hit like I would say viral status, like the amount of people that like watch your videos, comment, and share. Um, you give a lot of sales tips, but you give it in a nice twist with humor. And there's a big comedic element to this as well. But you talk a lot of truth, sir. Um, and again, like I said, I'm really glad to have you on the show. And yeah, I'm not really into sports either. And I love wearing slippers and having a brew and just sitting down and having a good chat. And that's what we're doing today, right? I knew I knew we were going to get on, Neil. <laughs> love it. So for the watchers out there that are watching this episode of the SCR Disco Call vidcast, uh, if we go into Tom's LinkedIn profile, I absolutely love the cover image. So like the different personas of Tom that we see from your videos. Um, but obviously, if we come down a little bit, we can see that your life uh, before tech and sales, you've, you've had a stint in quite a few different roles and industries. And it kind of starts like, obviously, coming out of the University of Huddersfield with your drama BA. So now I get it. Now I get it where, where he gets his talent from. But you've worked uh, within retail, you've worked within Bauer Media as part of a media street, Metro Radio Street team. Uh, you've been a breakfast show pre presenter uh, on a radio show. You've worked for the tech giant, which is Apple. Uh, I'm a bit, that's actually how I got into tech sales because I was wanted, when the iPhone first came out, um, it was because of that that I wanted to get into tech sales. And that's another story for another time. But yes, uh, big fan of Apple. Uh, you've worked as an energy consultant. You've worked as an SDR at the famous Hootsuite. Uh, you've worked as a BDR at Orchard, Orchard Information Systems Limited, and obviously come out to as an SDR for the last year and a half uh, at Salesloft. So, Tom, like, could you please walk us through like drama student to the SDR at Salesloft? What was that journey like, sir? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there, right? You, um, yeah, you, you've kind of made me think about my age, you know, in terms of how many how many jobs I've had and <laughs> and uh, and roles I've had. And it's funny because I only recently just updated uh, LinkedIn to have my entire career on there because when I first started in the kind of SaaS space, I'd I'd left out a lot on my profile so the fact that i worked in a diy store for several years mm -hmm. after after leaving uh, university uh, in, a, in a period of my life i describe as me being a bit lost not really mm -hmm. knowing like what what i wanted to to do i i didn't have that on there right because i was like oh i'm, I'm moving to london I, I i don't want people to know about the fact that i was in kind of retail for, for so long and diy like what's that got to do with anything mm -hmm. um, but I've, I've recently put it back on there because I, I i'm kind of um i'm kind of understanding now as i get older that you have to start somewhere right yeah and, yep. and whether whether that's a uh, a cashier uh, in a in a DIY store and, and learning the kind of ropes and kind of customer service, 
Um, moving on to a kind of uh, a B2B role and then finally into the kind of SaaS space. I, I wanted people who, who went on my profile to, to, to know that I'd kind of, um, that I'd kind of come from the kind of retail side of things and I, and I wasn't particularly in the kind of SaaS B2B world for forever. I think you yeah. see a lot of, you see a lot of people on, on LinkedIn and you think, oh, they must have been kind of, uh, they must have been doing that, that for years or whatever. Um, but I think it's really important to see that people can come from all kind of walks of, of life and, and use their, their experience. Um, but yeah, drama degree. I did drama uh, at, at school and I, I liked it a lot. I, looking back, I think I liked making people laugh more than I enjoyed any, anything else. Mm. And I've kind of stuck with that for my entire life. Um, <laughs> doing doing the radio show again, fantastic for me to be able to um, to do a do a breakfast show and, and make people smile and, and tell some stories and play some music. And uh, I've kind of brought that into my more recent roles with the kind of uh, kind of content I'm creating alongside the SDR role at Sales Loft. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think that's um, an interesting piece where you say, like, with your LinkedIn profile, like, you admitted stuff in the past and now you've brought it back in there because I agree with you 100%. Like, to show people, like, your working experience of working different industries, um, different sectors, doing different roles, that is work experience. That's kind of like career. People want to see where have you come from to where you are today. And I think similar to myself used to work for pizza hut i used to work for dhl and logistics and i used to be like a housing benefit officer for local authority and i always used to think like would that maybe put people off wanting to connect with me but i've also realized <laughs> by putting in those jobs sometimes when i connected with prospects is because we used to work for the same company we worked in the same industry and we actually had something to you know talk about when we first connected so i think it's good to put it in there um as well and I love that bit of you did drama because you like to make people laugh and it's something that's continued throughout your career and in what you're doing. Um, and that, that's the other bit. So I wanted to come on to like the breakfast show, like on a, on a radio show. Like how, how did that come about? You, I think you was working at Bauer and then you went on to Anyone FM as well. How, how did that come about, sir? Okay, yeah. So I um, I was working for, um, for for this kind of DIY uh, company and uh, when I when I'd left I'd got a job with a radio station in, in Leeds and I was working for their promo team so just doing kind of uh, promo work out and about if they were doing live broadcasts they would cut to events and we would be out there I'd also do promotional work just for the for the station when I moved to Newcastle got a, a role doing similar for an organ uh, for a for a station in the in the northeast and I really I really enjoyed the the whole kind of idea of doing radio and I saw the presenters having a having a lot of fun when I decided to um to get a job at Apple I wanted to kind of keep my toe in the water of radio so I started to look around in the northeast and see see if there were any presenter roles uh, around and I found a community station called Any1FM who were looking for kind of weekday presenters so around working in the Apple store I was able to do um to do a show and then a few months after doing my weekday show, uh, I asked them if I could do the breakfast show because it was a little bit of a personal kind of dream of mine, this idea of 
doing, yeah, hosting my own kind of breakfast show. Now it was uh, it was community radio, right? So you know it, it wasn't it wasn't kind of BBC uh, BBC One Breakfast, um, but it was it was streamed across kind of Newcastle Gateshead on FM. You could listen online, and uh, I describe it as the most fun I've uh, I've had because it was uh, it was a real it was a real ball just kind of playing songs and telling telling stories on a on on a morning. Um, so yeah, that's how that's how that came about. Absolutely love that, dude. And um, to open up a little bit about Neil's past, so working, I work in music as well. But way back in the day, uh, maybe for the UK listeners who who like a bit of comedy, you might know of that show called uh, Corrupt FM. People that do nothing with MC Grinder and the pirate radio stations. I used to be on pirate radio back in the day as a young MC, and funny enough, I used to have a Tuesday show called the Thank Funk It's Tuesday Show. We'd play club classics, do a bit of hosting. But it was at that point I realized I really want to talk to people, play my own music. So I totally get that vibe. And yeah, it was community because it was pirate. It wasn't actually legal. <laughs> so we only had a couple of London listeners around London. But but I absolutely love that. And as you said, like, so when you was working in the Apple shop, you were able to then connect with anyone FM, find a continuation to do the show and then go on to the breakfast show as well. So the question pertains is, how did you go from presenting to then going into your first tech job? Because I believe after that it was uh, Hootsuite, is that right? Uh, yeah, so we were, we were having the time of our lives on that, on that breakfast show. You know, I had, I had a producer and um, it, was, it, was all, it was all good, good fun. I was working at the Apple store and again, you know, great, great fun. And I really enjoyed it. But after after probably about a year, and we decided to get married, me and my then uh, wife, uh, girlfriend. Fiance, but now wife. Yeah, who's now my wife. <laughs> yeah. uh, we decided to get married and, you know, weddings are expensive. You know, I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know if anyone's looking to get married, but they, they cost uh, they cost a lot. So it was like, look, you know, let's let's maybe park that for a while and mm. uh, get a role that's gonna that's gonna pay that's gonna pay more because as as great as retail is um you know it's it's not the highest paid gig around and um I'd kind of started to look around what could be a role that I could take which would be which would be yeah something that I could earn a little bit of money and save for a wedding and that's when mm. I got my first b2b sales role uh, for a for an energy um an energy company basically so it was selling yeah. it was selling gas and electricity um so mm. it was cold it was cold calling businesses so you're talking yeah 80 100 calls a day of people who don't want mm. to speak speak with you so i'd gone i'd gone from uh apple retail where uh, yeah. where everyone loves the products and it's all about yeah. kind of customer service to this world of um yeah, do you want to save money on your gas and electricity bills? And a lot of people mm. ha- hanging up and saying uh, in a polite way, no, thank you, Tom. You know, I, I don't want to buy anything from you. Um, mm. I'm, I'm paraphrasing there. But um, again, that, that, was, uh, that was a bit of a shock. But again, that's where I kind of, I guess that's where I learned the ropes, right? So um, my salary went up, but I also had to step my game up in, in regards to... Um, that I actually had to do, and um, yeah. again, I'd, I'd omitted that from my LinkedIn profile, but I, I thought that's a, again a really important part of my of my journey. You know, I I, I was the yeah. the guy who worked in a, in a call center who was trying to flog people uh, gas and electricity, and I did that for about eight yeah. eight months, and it was off the back of that um, when I I kind of decided to take that further, and that's when we moved moved. 
Didn't know much mm. about the kind of SaaS space or the SDR role. Literally, I'd Googled sales jobs in London and I'd stumbled, mm. I'd stumbled across this kind of SDR role. And it was only really when we moved down and I joined the organization that I started to learn about kind of SaaS and B2B mm. and what an SDR does, what an AE does. Uh, I had a lot had a lot to learn, um, but again, Hootsuite were really good at kind of um, taking me on, showing me the ropes, and getting me getting me started. Love it, love it. So obviously, there's some pieces that I, I want to pick up there. So obviously, like um, you said, you're doing like a radio show where you're talking to people, you're working at a store at a brand where people love them and love talking to them, and then coming into like you say your first B two B job where there's a high element of you know cold calling. They said eight eight hundred people like per day, perhaps even like you know trying to sl- flog gas and fuel and electricity to them. What was going through your mind of like being somebody that people wanted to speak to to somebody that nobody really wanted to give the time of day to? How did you like you know maybe build up a, a tough skin or like deal with that sort of constant rejection? Because I think for a lot of listeners out there that are listening to this show, this is something they're going to face uh, as an SDR. Like, how, how did you deal with it, Tom? Yeah, that's a great question. It's tough. You know, there's no point in pretending that it that it's not. And if I was to tell you that I had the thickest skin in the world, I would be lying. Spend mm. a lot of my day um away from my desk in the toilet, kind of pondering what am I doing <laughs> what am I doing with my doing with my life. What am I doing with my life and why am I putting myself through yeah. it? Um, yeah. but but again it it was about going, well, let's try to use some of the things I've used in my previous roles or some of the techniques that I know that I've got um, in this role and start to find a way to to kind of break through, right? So this idea of using humor on the phone, uh, I've pl- played a really big part in, in, in that role. And again, mm. so- sounding different because I was surrounded by a lot of people sounded very, very similar, you know. And they didn't last. Mm. Didn't last very long. That was the kind of place I was working, right? If you uh, mm. if if you didn't do well, then you you didn't last very long. So I, it was kind of really important for me to to go right. How do I how do I stand out and how do I be different? Uh, and I'm still mm. I'm still talking about that to the, to this day, right? Because I believe that that's right at the heart of, of a kind of SDR or elite, elite general. Um, how do I how do I break through that noise and how do I how do I set myself aside? Um, so yeah, yeah. With, the gas, with the gas electricity kind of thing, um, I would often use the line of uh, people would say that, "Oh, you're just going to tell me that you're the cheapest and that you you're you know you're the best and you're going to save me lots of money." And I would make them laugh by saying, "Well, actually, we're one of the most expensive uh, people that you could that you could go through." And <laughs> they, they would they would kind of laugh at that, right? Because I would go, "We we cost a fortune." But I'd say, let me tell you why, and more importantly, how um, we're helping mm. people to invest so that they can actually save, and some of the ways yeah. we work with organisations. So I kind of, I kind of have a different talk track to the people who were kind of to the left and right of me that were that were kind of saying, look, yeah. we're going to do this cheap, 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 save, save, save. I would, I would be like, well, we're at, you know, we're actually more expensive, but. I'm going to tell you why if you give, you can give me some time to kind of to kind of do so, and then and then talk about some of the value uh, props within within the organization. So it was that idea mm-hmm. of yeah, just just kind of flowing in a kind of in a slightly different way, 
and catch, catching people off guard um, when on the phone is uh, is something that I've, like I say, I've, I'm still doing. I'm still doing now. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that, and I think uh, as you're saying that story, I can like uh, envision like a callback center with hundreds of desks, and like you've got all these people that look the same, sound the same, and there's this nice little, nice little like bright lampshade over Tom's desk, where he's being an array of sunshine, and he's doing it a different way, like you said, to break through the noise, to kind of do something different to what everybody else is doing, and having a go with it. And it kind of reminds me of my days of like telesales, like working in a corporate office. And I had to do like 120 dials a day, two hours call time and try and book two meetings a day. Um, but in the early days, uh, it was scary as hell. But I kind of tried to flip it because I would sit there listening to the bank of people around me and they sounded so professional, so eloquent, well-spoken. They knew all the terminology. And I was like, I ain't got a clue what the hell I'm doing here, you know. And I think as I listened, listened to it, to your point, it sounded very monotone. It just sounded very high business acumen. And we were trying to talk to like HR directors. Those were our personas and targets, right? But the thing that I kept saying to like my boss at the time was like, we're not experts in HR. The people that we're speaking to are, right? And if we try to sound like experts when we're not, they're probably going to smell that BS and maybe even call us out on it. So the way that I was looking at my cold calls was here's 120 opportunities to have fun and muck about a little bit. So I would go in with a regal telephone voice and speak very professionally like this. Other days, depending on where I was dialing in the country, I'd either be a bit of a southerner, maybe I'd have maybe a bit of a Brum accent. I'll try this stuff out, you know, just try different accents to see what works. Sometimes I'd try to be Scottish and speak like that and see what happens in Aberdeen, just to have a bit of a laugh. Um, And I'd, I'd also love it when people would tell me no, because I'd always try to be that nice guy that... No matter how rude they were to me, I'd be more polite. And that's how I kind of get my own back on these hard decision makers and gatekeepers, right? But having all of that fun and messing all about you, to your point, you find your flow. And you can kind of listen to the tones of people as to how they're going to react when they pick up the phone. I could almost sense a sense when they're having a bad day, when they're a bit blasé about it, they don't mind having a chat. Or do you know what? They would like to speak to somebody outside of their office, you know, because day in, day out, they're speaking to the same people going, maybe annoying people in their office and just chatting to a complete stranger was a nice thing for them. So uh, I, I like that element of just playing about and breaking through the noise to try and figure out, you know, what works best. But then we come to this moment in life where you, you pop the question to the missus and said, you know what, we're going to get married. Um, so we're going to look for a new career. And like you said, you were searching through Google and you came across this term SDR and sales development. Uh, and obviously, like you said, with Hootsuite, they they gave you some great education. But for somebody coming from up north down to south and entering this world of SaaS and sales development, what did it mean to you? And how did Hootsuite, you know, get you to to the mindset of this actually could be a great thing for you? Yeah, I kind of I kind of quite quickly realized that the that the space was was more complex and exciting than I could have ever really really understood. You know, I I I kind of knew that telesales was a, was a thing, and I thought, well, SDRs are kind of like it's telesales, right? It's just it, it's just mm. what I've been doing. And then when I when I got the role and I started to look at it, and I was like, wow, there's a real opportunity to to learn here and to to understand specifically about industries and about structures. I I, I really liked kind of uh, the kind of customer success 
team. I, I, I would kind of work closely with them uh, because I, I, I thought, well, that's a really interesting part of the business. And then working with the AEs for things like uh, discovery calls and, uh, and, and demos, again, I kind of adding value value there and i've always tried to work closely when um you know with like the social media teams and the kind of marketing teams as well because i feel like the sdr role you've got you've got such an opportunity to to kind of work with multiple teams and really have an impact and and a, and a voice especially if you join a uh, an organization like for example sales loft who uh, who allow you to to kind of do that um, mm. I, I suddenly realized, well, wait a second, the, there's, the, there's, this is much more than uh, a world where you do telesales and you call people mm-hmm. up and try, try and kind of flog them things. You're actually, <laughs> you're actually a, a really crucial part of the, of the sales um, division, which is obviously the kind of beating heart of most organizations. So when, once I had that realization, I thought, well, I can really start to make an impact um, with, um, with organisations that I'm, that I'm that I'm working for, and um, mm-hmm. again, that's really exciting because I think a lot of people look at the SDR role as a kind of an entry level role where you we kind of um, at the bottom of the pile and don't really do much. But uh, but actually, um, if you if you want to, you can you can really start to um, to make to make a difference, and um, and yeah, almost be the face of of the organisation on things like social um, with content that you share and all that kind of stuff totally agree dude and i i absolutely love that as well and it's great to see like with companies that you're working with like sales loft they really support you guys to be creative try your other stuff but yeah um it's a point we've said on multiple shows that the sdr position is not just an entry into sales but it's an entry to the whole business right where you can work with customer success with marketing with the commercial teams and, you know, later down the line, you can kind of figure out which one of those departments floats your boat and what's the path that you may want to uh, follow then thereafter versus, I remember when I was doing telesales, it was just like, right, I do this job. I think I become an account executive. That's it. Yes. Don't do really much with the marketing team. We didn't really have much syncs and stuff. Um, and yeah, I think it's a case of like seeing yourself uh, at sales loft with the videos of the support, but you're also speaking to a lot of other SDRs in the community. Um, and I see that with a lot of your posts, like a lot of SDRs from different places because sales loft is a great platform. Um, and a lot of people like to use it and they like to learn stuff from people such as yourself. Um, and to your point, like, like you said, it's the beating heart of an organization working within the sales team. And I think like with the SDRs, they're the blood of that lifeline and pipeline um, because you are the frontline first conversation with a potential customer and prospect that may not know about your solution and you're the team that are reaching out to them. And what I'm loving, I've seen so much more since lockdown is the creative ways that you engage with your audience, that you connect with people, not just, you know, solely for prospects, but the sales development community, the sales community as a whole. Uh, And you're somebody, in my opinion, you're, you're leading that dude. So like hats off for that. And a question that I was asked by a student today in a class was like, Neil, um, I sent them like a few Vidyard recordings, like to say, hi, I'm Neil from Happy Selling. This is what we're going to be learning. And they said, that's so cool, the way that you sent like a video on an email. And I think we should be doing more of this. And I was like, yeah, that's the reason I do it is to inspire them that they can do it themselves, you know, without telling them directly, go do it. Um, But one of the students also said is like, you know, I want to be more active on LinkedIn. I want to do like more videos. I want to do more posts like Neil. 
how often should I be posting? Where should I start at? And how should I go about it? And I said, go check this guy, Tom Boston on LinkedIn, because the guy's nailed it. But for people that want to be more social on LinkedIn and do like creative content such as yourself, what, what tips would you give to them, Tom? Yes, that's a good question. I mean, it's it's all about starting small. I think that's a really important important thing, right? I spoke to someone recently who was like, uh, I, I want to do a podcast and I want to do a video series. I'm thinking about doing these kind of uh, these long engagement posts and I'm going to kind of post every day. And And again, I was like, well, that, that sounds really exciting, but maybe kind of strip that back a little bit and go, look, where where do I start? And, and start to try to understand like what what's working for, for you. Now, I knew mm. that I wanted to do some form of video content because I've always loved I've always loved video. I've 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 kind of been doing it in my spare time for for years, right? Even even when I was a kid, I, I used to do stop start animation. Um, with a little video camera, nice. you know, kind of uh, plasticine yeah. figures. <laughs> I, that was the kind of kid that I was when everyone was playing football outside. I was uh, I was shooting these little kind of mini videos, and uh, I, I've I've loved doing that for, for my whole life, right? So I, I thought it'd be great to to do that at, at Salesloft as part of the SDR role. And when I started to to shoot the videos, I just did what everybody else did. I, I looked straight down the lens. I introduced myself. I said hello to LinkedIn because everyone says hello to LinkedIn. And I would talk about myself or my day or my role or the company values or something that I thought people wanted to to hear or something that I thought mm. I'd seen someone else do do well and uh you know maybe oh that sounded quite motivational well i saw a guy do a video oh that got a lot of likes and um yeah that didn't really work for me that lasted for for about two or three weeks before i had to had to mm. had to drop that and go look this this is not me i i, I don't even yeah. like watching those videos back so if i don't like watching it how can i expect anybody else you know to to even to, like to even give yeah. it the, t- the time of day so uh, I started to do things that were more kind of up, up my street, so things that were more uh, kind of humorous, this idea of looking at the pain points of my prospects, I thought would be a really good idea because that's the kind of stuff that my um, my network are going to really respond to and would open up conversations about the sales loft platform. So I started to shoot yep. these kind of skits and these little mini kind of videos which would hopefully make people smile. Now, my advice for anyone who was looking to to get into creating content, whether that be video uh, or, or other forms of content, would just be to to start small, to set yourself a goal. I, I decided to commit to recording a video every single week. And it was harder than I thought, right? Because I thought, well, one a week, like that's that's absolutely fine. But th- those weeks, mm. those weeks sure do tick over and come around faster than you than you think when you when you commit to creating content on a weekly basis. But I challenged myself. Yep. I'd gone, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and and do this because that's that's how I'm gonna push myself to to be creative and that's how I'm gonna push myself to uh, to kind of create content and, and figure out what's working. Because I've I've made stuff that, that didn't work and I've made stuff that didn't kind of hit the mark. And I've also made stuff that's um, that's kind of blown up and really connected with people. And it's only by doing and um and, and doing kind of um proactively and and creating on a weekly basis that I've been able to understand 
what's working, what's not, what kind of content is, is seeing the success. Um, so yeah, that would be my, my advice. Start small, try to figure out what's working for you. Um, yeah. Have a better understanding of what kind of content you should be. I love that. I love that. So kind of like you said there, there may be people out there that want to do multiple things all at the same time. But like you said, start off, keep it pretty simple. Um, commit to like a frequency of, like you said, once a week, putting it out there, see what works, what doesn't work. But you ha- it's, it has to be from you. It has to be like, you know, something that you'd enjoy talking about, things that you feel are important to your network, message that you want to get out there versus just stuff because other people are doing it as well and trying to imitate them doesn't really bring it uh, true. And yeah, I I committed to doing that every week with this podcast and I thought it'd be a walk in the park and didn't understand how much work and time it takes. But over time, it's that iteration, seeing what works and what doesn't. That's kind of helped us get us to where we are today. So fully agree with that. And in terms of like, so for somebody, a question that I get asked by a lot of people is like, now how much, how come you're churning up so much content? Like when do you have the time to do this? And where do you get all the ideas for these guests and stuff like that? And it made me think about you as like, you're always coming out with these great videos and pieces of content. Where do your ideas come from and how do you store them? And how do you decide to, okay, I'm going to go with this idea this week. And now I'm not really keen on that idea. How, how do you decide that, Tom? So some, sometimes the ideas will um, will will kind of come to me and write themselves. So I can be on. I was on a Zoom call recently, and one of the members of the team, you know, kept saying, "When are we? When are we going back in the office? When are we? When are we going to be back in the office? You know, are, are we going to be back in the office?" And I thought to my, I just wrote that down because I was like, "Well, <laughs> let's just do a video on the one guy who hates remote working and just wants to be back in the office, right?" So that video was about mm-hmm. like recreating the office life at home, whether that be the yeah. commute, you know, like a fake commute or like putting putting food in the fridge and sort of pretending that you're in office. Oh, who's who's left these meatballs in here? Um, so again, <laughs> that, that idea, that idea kind of happened in real life. I, I kind of wrote that down. And sim- similarly mm. with the with the kind of prospecting um, videos that, I, that I'll do. So, so videos that are about uh, prospecting. There'll be real life things yeah. that happen to me. I, I got ghosted quite a lot when I came back from the Christmas break. <laughs> I had a list of like yeah. 10 people who were like, I definitely want to speak to you, Tom. And probably seven of them um, stopped replying to my emails, which prompted me to make the video about ghosting where I recreated the yeah. uh, the Boys to Men uh, music video. Which was great, which was great, by the way. I love it. Thank you it. so much. So those, those, those ideas, you know, they just came naturally. But on on weeks where maybe um, I, I don't have these kind of light bulb moments of, oh, that's definitely a video, I'll just kind of go into uh, like, you know, without without sounding too dramatic, like a creative kind of space. And I'll just kind of spend 10, 20 minutes jotting things down, kind of exploring ideas and then formulating a video based on yeah based on my kind of thoughts and thoughts and ideas but they're, they're normally loosely based around things that have happened to me uh per- mm. personally uh, in, in sales because i've uh, i've got a i've got a fair few stories of <laughs> of uh, the kind of trials and tribulations of, of a life in sales definitely i love it and definitely what i'll do for for the listeners and watchers out there in terms of our show notes I'll put a link to a couple of my favorite ones that we've seen. So you can see Tom's videos, highly recommend like 
checking them out. They're funny as AF. Uh, but they're also true because it's one of those things in sales. Like we watch them and laugh, but we're like, because that's true because we have gone through those things. We know how this dude's feeling it. Um, and a, a recent one that you put out, which did catch my t- attention, was the whole Bant video. So Bant can be, so for those that are new to sales, like budget, authority, need, and timeline, for some of us in SaaS sales, we may see this as a bit of an outdated methodology or it doesn't really work so much in outbound prospecting but it might be good for when you've got an inbound lead where they do have the budget and project and timeline what are your thoughts on bant for the listeners that haven't watched the video like what was this all about on bant tom well yeah this this idea of using bant as uh is, is something that has popped up in uh in several roles that i've had before and i and i remember one role where uh, a manager had just been like have you have you heard about bant you know, as as if like it's like a secret. I don't, I don't know if you've heard about Bant. Uh, as if like as if that acronym is gonna is gonna set me up for for success within within the role. You know, sales, as long as yeah. I've got Bant in my back pocket, I'll I'll be fine. Um, I personally think it's uh, one of the most outdated kind of sales techniques I've ever come across, and mm. the fact that you know I think it's such a strange a strange kind of way you know method to follow that you would need to find out if someone's got money um and you'd need to find out if they're going to sign the uh <laughs> they're going to sign the contract before you found out yeah. anything else i thought was like laughable and if i'm th- if i thought to myself well if i'm thinking it's laughable there's probably a few salespeople out there who 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 think the same um but i know that it's still used in lots of organizations and it's um, there'll be people who are listening to this who who will say, oh, that's all well and good, but it it works, mate." You know, like your ban ban is the way forward. But I um, I genuinely believe that this idea of creating value should be right at the beginning of any conversation that you that you have. And uh, yeah, I think it's about time we put Bant to uh, to bed. Someone uh, someone commented that I'd <laughs> that I'd killed. I'd killed Bant with with comedy, which is one of my favorite comments I've ever had on any of my videos. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And yeah, do you know what? Like Bant was something that I used way back in the day in those days of telesales. Uh, and I get it. It, it. it can work for some. But to that point, trying to figure out if somebody's like willing to buy if they've got the money for it. But at the end of the day, if they didn't know they had a problem and they've never heard of the solution, why would they budget for something they never thought they was going to buy, right? Um, and getting value at the beginning is more so like I'm a fan of a, a methodology called Spiced. So it's situation, pain, impact, critical event, decision criteria. But the, what, what you're trying to understand here is, okay, what's going on in their world? How is their company structured? How do they work today? What's their current process for sales engagement? How do they review and coach their calls? Um, and then what's the impact of them not listening to their reps and like getting feedback as to how they're doing out in the field? And if they don't do this by a certain budget or, you know, sort of timeline in later in the year, what what's going to happen then? Do they just continue as is or do they not? And then sharing a really cool story of somebody that has gone through a similar thing. That's the methodology that I like, that I use in SaaS. But instead of Bant, like, what does Tom use if you don't mind sharing your trade secrets to kind of like, you know, figure out if somebody could be a fit for your solution? Yeah, so I, I've I've kind of uh, I've kind of thrown Ban out out of the window, and uh, you know you know definitely budget conversations is 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 not one that I really bring into my discovery calls. If someone wants to know the price of sales loft, I'll I'll tell I'll tell them the price. But really, I'm more yeah. focused on like 
what you know what does the team do and and what does the day to day look like you know what what's the structure how are they how are they working and a, and a, and a big one that I try and find out is like you know are you are you are you successful I always I always ask that question are the, are the, are the team working mm. is the team working well like and you know nine times out of ten I'll I'll get someone who'll go well well yeah um, but I. I feel that they could do better, and and that's yeah. always a great conversation to have about about sales loft because most people's teams are doing quite well. If if they weren't, the business would would crumble, right? But they're always yeah. looking for ways to improve to improve on that. So I I tend to lead with with stories because I'm a I'm a big kind of st- mm-hmm. storyteller. I'll, I'll I'll kind of talk through how I've I've done the role without sales loft. And I've been successful, and uh, I've I've only had a CRM, and I've hit my targets. But then I'll talk about the fact that I've done the role with SalesLoft on top of a CRM, and I've absolutely excelled, and it's changed the way that I've worked as a sales as a sales rep, you know. And it's those kind of mm. it's those kind of stories that I'll that I'll tell to people who are in sales, and then I'll start to navigate. Look, how could this work for for your team? Now, funnily enough, that's a more exciting conversation than, uh, yeah, how much does it cost and what's going to be my ROI? Um, I, I think it's more important to kind of put a spotlight on how are the team, how are the team working, and how are they set up yeah. for success, and uh, and that's where Salesloft comes in. So that's that's yeah, that's the majority of my of my calls. I love it, dude. And I think um, to quote one of our, one of your colleagues and somebody who's been on a guest on here is like, with a discovery call, treat it like a cup of tea, right? Where you kind of share like how you work, what your process is, what is it like in your world? And then asking them kind of what's their story and understanding what's their processes. Um, and that's where you have a more engaging conversation versus, Tom, do you have enough money to buy this solution? Tom, am I speaking to the right person? Tom, do you really need sales love? Tom, when do you want to have sales loft in? You know, it, it, it's a better way to have a conversation. And yeah, telling stories, that's that's key. I, I say to SDRs that I teach, I said, if you ever get stuck in a discovery call, tell a story, right? If somebody says, well, how does it work or what's the integration? Tell a story about how somebody connected it with their CRM. Or, you know, like, how did you roll this out? Well, when we worked with this team, they started off with five users and then went up to 50 users because they wanted to see the different milestones of if it made an impact. Tell a story. If somebody says, well, I don't think we're ready for you. I said, well, actually, that's a, I've got a cool story about this guy, Tom, who thought he wasn't ready as well. And this is where Tom was. Tell stories in your discovery calls because those are more compelling reasons for somebody to take that next step and, you know, like have a look at what what, what you have to offer. Um and just a thought that came into my head, like, obviously, like, I know this is a bit of a weird tangent, but obviously doing the presenting breakfast shows in the past, like creating a lot of great content, which helps promote sales loft, like via LinkedIn and to your network. Have you ever thought about like a sales loft TV or like a sales loft show with host Tom Boston? Has that, has that ever come to mind? I mean, you know, of, of course the thought has, has crossed my mind and uh, I, I've got I've got a vision somewhere in my in my brain of uh, a sales loft microphone okay and uh, yes. And, yes. And, and so and some form of uh, of interview you know and uh, and kind of video because that's that's where I feel the kind of um but watch this mm. watch this space because you 
we never know what may what may come in the uh, in, in the in the future. Um, but no, I think uh, yeah. I think it's definitely it's definitely got legs, and we'll see we'll we'll see how far we can we can go. Love it, fingers crossed because I like you said like when I was saying that. When you were talking about the show earlier and being like part of a street team and going out, you know, meeting people face to face, hopefully with lockdown when it eases later this year or towards next year, um, seeing like a sales loft street team, like going into businesses and speaking to people that are using the solution and like getting their feedback from sales leaders and teams, I could definitely see you at the helm of that, mate. So you never know, fingers crossed, we'll be watching out. Um, but again, it's been absolutely great to have you on the show. And the, the, the penultimate question I love to ask the guests is, Tom, if you could give three bits of advice to a younger Tom Boston who's just about to embark on this journey of self-development, what would those three tips be, sir? Yes. The first one that I thought about was was be yourself. Because one thing that I think that I didn't do when I first went into the role uh, of an SDR was was 100% be, be myself. I'd almost try to be to be somebody else. And that would that would be my first piece of advice. Just, just, just be yourself and embrace it. Right? I was I was doing everything I could to make people not know that this was my first SDR role, and uh, I was trying to, you know, make people think I knew absolutely everything. Whereas if I could go back to my younger self, I'd be like, you're probably going to have better conversations. If you if you if you're actually completely hundred percent honest with people, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tag that onto it actually. So yeah, be yourself and be honest. I would say would be my first one. Um, the the second the second one I would say would be yeah to be personalised. So I think a lot of people, especially in the SDR role, you'll think well I I I, I am personalised in everything that I do. I'll I'll edit emails. And I'll do personalized kind of videos. But I think there's an extra level to that, right? Of of kind of really surprising someone in their working day about the level of interest and effort you've put in to prospecting them, right? And almost getting them mm. to kind of sit back and go, Wow, this this person really wants my attention today, right? When I'm yeah. prospecting, I I try to make sure that the the stuff that I'm doing is the best thing that they'll receive that that day. And that's the kind of mindset mm-hmm. that I try to, to get into. If I received this video, would I be like, wow, I've not received an email like this today? Or would that make me would yeah. that make me laugh in a way that's gone, okay, yeah, well well done, you got me. Or or have you done enough have yeah. you done enough research to go, how did they know that about me? Or like, where have they where have they got that from? That must be on my Twitter profile or so, mm. something like that. Uh, so I would say, yeah. Be personalized, but as an extra level to that, kind of surprise someone, right? Surprise someone that day in the effort that you've put in. And um, and last but not least, not least, we've we've touched on this uh, throughout this show. Have fun. Two words that I think everyone should take with them on a, on a daily basis. I put it into my LinkedIn content. Um, people can see that I'm having the time of my life when I when I do those videos, and I leave the bits yeah. I leave the bits in where I burst out laughing at myself because I think well <laughs> let's let's leave that in because if people can see how much I'm enjoying it, then um, then that can only be a good thing. But similarly with the with the prospects inside of things, right? Um, I let people in on the fact that I'm doing cold calls for an hour and a half, 
and I, uh, I'm gasping for a cuppa, you know. I'll have a little bit of mm. fun with it and uh, I'll have a smile on my face when I'm, when I'm making personalised videos because I think having fun um, just rubs off on people and is infectious and people respond to it. People can see, oh, wait, I think with the LinkedIn videos, people are going, well, this, what's this guy doing? You know, he's dancing, he's, he's dancing yeah. in his kitchen, he's got a big grin on his face. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have a little watch of that. Same with the prospecting, right? Um, there's, a, there's a northern bloke with a, with a ginger beard in my email inbox waving at the camera with a big grin on his face. <laughs> let's click play and let's see what he wants. And uh, again, yeah. I think it's such an important part of the role. Hundred percent. If uh, I, I love the whole like positive mindset and like the the impact that you want to have on people, and you're empathetically thinking of, all right, if I receive something like this, how would it make me feel? Would it give me a laugh? Would it give me a giggle? Would it make me think like, wow, this person really wants my attention? Um, and spreading that positivity is infectious, but it's a good vibe and power to put out there. And yeah, like the if you have a positive impact on people, that's what makes you memorable. That's what helps break through the noise. It's what I've done through Marcel's career. That's why I call it happy selling, because I want to see happy sellers. I want to see people enjoying and putting some hashtag sales love out there, dude. So like, like salute to, to what you're doing and to the cause. Um, any special shout outs you'd like to give today, Tom? Yeah, so before before this call, you you kind of talked talked about this idea of shout outs. And when I asked you about it, you said um anyone who gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling. Anyone who anyone who knows me will know that my family are right at the center of my of my core. And that they they're the ones that kind of motivate me to to succeed. I wouldn't be doing any form of content if it wasn't for my wife who who kind of confirms yes this is a good idea and gives me the confidence to mm. uh, to create that kind of content and uh, my little boy Arthur who it just inspires me on a daily basis to to love life and to, and to spread joy uh, so yeah I would like to shout out my my little family who uh, who spur sure. me on every single day to succeed Dude, I've got to be careful because I've got to really hold back the tears on that. That is a lot of love from one dad to to another. That really warms my heart. And special shout out to the Bostons out there, to the family and to the crew. Like, dude, they've got your back and it's been an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the show. And we'd love to have you back at a future date as well. Um, but Mr. Boston, I wish you a happy, healthy, positive week ahead please keep putting out those videos i'm definitely going to put some links into the show notes so people can check out who you are uh, and hopefully you never know hashtag sales love tv it could yeah, be a yeah. thing you it heard could it, you happen heard it first. you never know <laughs> <laughs> mr boston have a great week and most importantly happy selling thanks neil thanks for having me
Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR Disco Call, one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.